And welcome back to the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show, a podcast brought to you by the Livingston Parish News. My name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news, and this is Around Livingston. It's where I sit down with this gentleman. We talk about, shocker, what's going on around Livingston. So we're going to let him introduce himself this morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning. This is David Gray, news writer with the Livingston Parish News. Plenty to talk about today. First and foremost, uh, I, me, McHugh David, there we go. Uh, sat down this morning, we're recording this on Monday morning, uh, March 20th, uh, sat down with Principal Jason St. Pierre uh, from Walker High School to talk about the one cent sales tax proposal, uh, which is going to be on the ballot this Saturday, so check that out. Uh, if you didn't see it yesterday, we're posting this on Tuesday, uh, and of course we posted our interview with him yesterday, uh, which is Monday, the day we're recording this. It's a lot of explanation. We ran the podcast yesterday, but we're going to let David talk a little bit about the proposal itself, which is on this Saturday's ballot. Of course, early voting concluded this past Saturday, which was also the celebration of St. Patrick's Day. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, this is the one cent sales tax that has been on the uh, been uh, that has been the center of debate for the last several months. This is to fund salary and benefit increases for all Livingston Parish public school employees. It's about thirty seven hundred employees. And this uh, school leaders are saying this will move the the Livingston Parish school employee ranking uh, near the top, near the top for all categories, such as teachers, bus drivers, custodians, 25 year plus teachers, all of that. It'll move them to the top ranking for their salary. Right now, Livingston Parish for the last several years has been near the bottom, which is something that uh, school leaders attribute to the lack of funding. So this is something that they say will provide that extra funding. The one cent sales tax is expected to generate like around $24 million. They say that uh, to in order to give the 10% increase or 2500 floor increase to all employees they're saying they need about 20 million to do that and that other 4 million will be put in a basically a reserve account to be used in case they ever in case they uh they they have to tap into that for later years in case sales tax revenue doesn't do as well one year so they'll have that and then anything above that extra 4 million i believe or the quarter of that would go to uh, basically be a 13th check for teachers. So you, like you said, early voting ended and I actually just got the early voting numbers. About 4,000 people took part in early voting. That doesn't count the absentee uh, mail-in ballots, but that's about 4% of your 88,000 registered voters. So uh, considering this has been gotten a lot of uh, attention on social media, all that, I thought it'd be a little higher personally, but you know, uh, we'll see how the polls actually go out. That's still a lot for that's a still, spring early still, vote. That's still a lot for early vote. Now, I was, yeah, like you said, last year, I think, because last year there was a, uh, there were two, uh, two property taxes on the ballot. You had one that was a renewal for the school system and then a new one for Livingston Parish Fire Protection District 4. And I believe that drew out, uh, drew I want to say less than two percent. So, like, I mean, it's, I mean, like, like you said, yes, there is more. There is a higher turnout for a March election, but just based on the buzz that this one has had, I thought it'd be a little bit higher. But like you said, uh, four thousand for for a March election is still pretty good. So we'll see how it ends uh, this week after the polls close on Saturday, March twenty fifth. And one thing that uh, Principal Saint Pierre brought up a lot uh, that I will add here. Uh, and it's something, of course, you've dug into, as have I. Uh, the school board's budget is 90% spent uh, before the fiscal year even starts, uh, mostly on salaries. So they have about 10% to work with. And, of course, a lot of that is uh, 
maintenance and other such mm -hmm. things. It's also important to remember uh, that a lot of these individual districts have their own funds. Uh, you know, that was one of the reasons that Denham was able to do some of the things they did with their fields. So it's important to remember that a lot of the money is sort of mandated to be yeah. spent already. So trimming fat is difficult. Uh, I, and for those of you who may be wondering, well, what in the world does that mean? Think about the state's budget as well. It's mostly the same. A lot of that money is constitutionally mandated to be spent on specific things before they even hit go. Yeah. So it's important to remember that. Um, I Obviously, he brought that up. Uh, that would be Principal St. Pierre multiple times on the podcast we did with him. Of course, please go check that out. Moving on. Uh, we did discuss briefly last week, uh, unfortunately, there was a fire at Benton Brothers in Denham Springs uh, in the downtown district. Uh, I, they seem, um, I don't want to call it upbeat, but they at least seem like they're ready to move forward with some things. You had a chance to speak with the family. You did a little deeper dive on it. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, I, I spoke with, like we said, Benton Brothers has been a family business uh, basically since 19... 1938 when it opened it opened as a furniture store uh by leslie benton and his two brothers and then uh i believe in the early 90s is when it became a antique store in the antique village and one of the most historic buildings there is in denham springs and really all of livingston parish uh there was like we said there was more uh I haven't seen that much uh, support for a place in a long time, uh, just judging by all the stuff that we saw on social media, whenever uh, the Benton brothers post on their Facebook page about the fire. Uh, and then that story that we posted, you know, a little blurb, a few paragraphs long, and it's one of the biggest stories because this place means that much to to so many people. And I spoke with the uh, with the owners last week and did a kind of a walk with them and and, you know, they, they said that, you know, it was heartbreaking. It was like a family member uh, being gone. And what I found most surprising is since it opened, it, that store really has not been closed for prolonged periods of time. Uh, there, there was some during COVID, obviously, uh, where that was everything was closed. But uh, it, Benton Brothers is one of the few places during, in the antique village during the flood that did not take on any water. Uh, you know, th that's just kind of how fortunate it has been. I, I remember speaking with Miss Sissy uh, Grantham, whose whose family started the started the business and who uh, she owns a building now. Uh, she said during Hurricane Betsy, some windows got knocked out, and that's she. Other than that, and that was in 1965, she can't really remember many other times where uh, they had a lot of damage to the buildings, where they had to close and you know big do big projects. Other than you know sometimes when they did some upgrades and renovations uh, just to improve the store, but nothing like this. This was by far what she said the worst thing that the store has ever had to endure. But they you know they spoke optimistically that they do plan on opening one day again now. No, when I spoke with them last week, they still hadn't even, they're still going through all the items that could be salvaged and, you know, I guess getting rid of the ones that could not be. So it's just kind of hard to tell when that'll be. But, you know, we're hoping that one day we'll be able to write a positive story on them reopening again. Looking forward to that. Uh, of course, I grew up here, uh, went in there with my mother and father on many occasions. Uh, so I know, and I know Miss Sissy Benton Grantham. Uh, so she used to do interior design. I, I think she's retired. At any rate, 
also talking about uh, things that the Denham Springs downtown appreciate. How about parades? Yeah. And they had their first ever, we're kind of going off script here, but we had, they had their first ever St. Patrick's Day parade this Saturday mm-hmm. in the evening, uh, trying not to conflict with the Baton Rouge one, which has been going on for a while. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how that went down. Yeah, that was uh, pretty short and sweet. Uh, not, not the parade, but the explanation will be pretty short and sweet. But yeah, it followed the normal Denim Parade route. It was cold that day, uh, and it had been, this was like the day after, because Friday we had that bad rain for a good bit, and then it, the temperature just plummeted, and you wake up Saturday morning a little fearful that it's drizzling a little bit and it's still cold, so you're worried that that's going to happen because uh, people who went to the Mardi Gras Parade in February, they'll remember that day was cold and wet. Uh, by far the most miserable parade experience I've had covering one. But uh, but St. Patty's Day turned out fine. Uh, it was a big turnout considering this was their first one. And like you said, this is the same day of the Baton Rouge St. Patrick's Day Parade, which many people in Denham have been going to for years because that was the only one in the area to go to. But uh, but they, you know they, there was you know dozens of floats. I mean, you had hundreds of people out there in the Antique Village. And by the time the parade rolled through at 5, it was... The, the rain had completely cleared out. It was still a little overcast, but uh, but nothing too crazy. And but yeah, I, I think this is one that will grow in years to come because uh, because if, for a lot of people, I know a lot of people brought out their families, and that's the one thing about doing these parades in Denham. It's uh, they're more of a family atmosphere here uh, versus other areas. So I, I think this is one that's going to stick around for a while. Going to be interesting to see how they market it next year and how it grows. Obviously, it was a very popular story uh, when you first spoke to uh, the downtown district and they told you about it. Uh, so obviously, uh, something that people wanted uh, here. Before we get into some court news to wrap up uh, the show, do want to talk about uh, something going on in the city of Denham uh, in regard to uh, sewer impact fees. And if you're curious as to what those are, uh, that is what owners of any kind of utility typically charge developers um, as they start hooking up new homes, trailers, whatever, uh, to try to defra- defray costs later of updating these systems. You know, uh, and this one is in regard to uh, Denham's sewer system. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about their newest decision to, uh, and this goes hand in hand, I believe, with a lot of the big developments occurring south of the city, which the city still uh, serves yes. sewer too. That was a lot of S's. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is, uh, you know, last year, 2022, was the year of development, I guess you could say. That was when uh, you had these big subdivisions that were working through the council, uh, parish council and uh, had a lot of people up in arms about the parish's ability to be able to have all these new subdivisions with the infrastructure the way that it is. Uh you know, traffic, uh, drainage, sewer already issues. And then when you add on, in some cases, thousands of new homes, thousands of new people, that's just going to worsen those problems, a lot of people were saying. And so the Denham City Council last year, they uh, voted to uh, impose a moratorium on new connections to the to the sewer system, uh, new connections of 10 homes or more. And this would have affected some of the develops on 4-H Club Road, uh, Sweetwater and Deer Run specifically. I believe that's about 2,500 homes combined. Those two subdivisions were going to bring up 4-H Club Road, and the city would have been responsible for providing sewer. So they imposed that moratorium. Not that it was really going to, uh, because you know, Deer Run, those 
the pro- preliminary plats for those two subdivisions were just approved last year. So for in some cases, it would be 10 years before all those homes would be built. But by that time, you can't wait to, if you're a city, you can't wait to do something then to address the sewer issue. So, so they imposed a moratorium to give them time to kind of research to see what to do. And basically, they are now going to require uh, developers of large developments to pay the sewer impact fees up front. Sewer impact fee per lot is about thirty eight hundred dollars. They they said, so basically, if you are the developer of a subdivision with one hundred and fifty lots or more, you have to pay all of that thirty eight hundred dollars per lot up front. So, say for a subdivision like Deer Run, if it wanted to connect to the city's water, that's two thousand two thousand lots. I think that's around seven thousand dollars if they were to pay all of those up front to connect to the city's water. Sewer is that seven point six million? Okay, so there you go. So yeah, that's what they would uh, have to pay up front, and then Sweetwater that's four hundred uh, and so us, I believe. So whatever that is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so basically, you're you're they're going to require these developers to pay those up front because that will give the city some money to then you know expanded services where needed they're not turning developers away but they're saying that they're going to require these developers to to pitch in to be able to service them now i believe if it's 50 to 150 lots then it's half up front uh and then if it's less than 50 there's it's how it is now which is basically when the when the individual home applies for a water meter that's when they typically have been required to pay the uh impact fee historically so that will stay the same because that's a little more easier to absorb, you know, up, I guess they felt up to 50 lots versus, you know, in Deer Run's case, 2,000. Uh, that's where you're having to have some serious conversations about expanding them. Because right now the city, uh, the sewer system is around 50% at, at 50% capacity right now. And these new subdivisions would have pushed it to over 75%. And at 70% is when you really have to start thinking about expanding your current uh, current facilities to be able to meet the projected future growth. So that's what they passed at the last meeting. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that's, so that's kind of the moratorium on new connections is technically expired now. So so we'll see how this affects the these uh, big subdivisions that are still working through the system. So that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously those two uh, developments south of Denham have been very contentious at the parish council level. And now you've got uh, a, a separate player trying to protect themselves, uh, you know, for because of potential problems with their utilities. Obviously, you have current customers and that's something you hear from both the city and the parish. We have people who currently live here. We have current customers. We feel like we need to protect them first. Yeah. So we'll see. uh We'll see how that affects uh, development going forward uh, for the city of Dem Springs. Last, but certainly not least, uh, we do have a bit of court news uh, surrounding Blason Fife. Uh, so if you'll bring us up to date on that to round out the show. Yeah, that was uh, last week we had, that was the second murder trial for Blason Fife. He was accused of shooting a Walker man in 2017 when he was just, uh, he had just turned 18 before that. And it took the jury, I'm trying to look, uh, uh, how long, about two hours to find him guilty. This followed his trial that lasted about four days uh, last week. But yeah, so I mean, sentencing is set for uh, in April, but second degree murder charge carries a lifetime sentence without the benefit of probation, parole, or suspension of sentence. So, 
So unless there's an appeal, uh, haven't heard about if there if his attorney is going to file one or not. The that is basically uh he was found guilty again. And like I said, this this trial came about because the Supreme Court ruled that that serious charges required a unanimous verdict from juries, and his verdict in his first trial in 2019 was not unanimous. So that's why this second one uh, came about. It just took a few years for it to for it to actually. Uh, carry on but uh but yeah that ended last week and he was found guilty again so uh and you've had a lot of court news lately hopefully that'll quiet down uh for those of you who don't know it's 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 tough to cover court news because you can't bring a phone in you can't do no, any of that old school <laughs> yeah you just kind of have to sit there and and watch and listen and and take notes on the good old uh uh legal pad yes. or, or your your reporter's notebook uh, i always heard uh in business you want to write everything down uh, on a notepad, because uh, kind of like when we print the paper, it's it's there then. It's on ink. It's done. Uh, and you've gotten it out of your head. So uh, thank you, sir, for having the patience to do that. And we appreciate you covering all that. If you'll introduce yourself. Hey, this is David Gray, a news writer with the Lippis of Parish News. And my name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. Appreciate you guys out there for joining us for the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show. Please remember the news is on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. We are once a week in print on Thursdays at $7 a month. Get that in your mailbox. Also online, www.livingstonparishnews.com. One last time, we appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time.